Welcome to Mamas on a Mission. This is episode two of season two. Hello, hello. I'm thrilled that you're joining me and my special guest today. For those who don't know, I'm Holly, the Chief Mama of Motherhood Melbourne, and I'm a mama of two young boys, crazy pug lady, and I love connecting Melbourne mums through their motherhood stories. This podcast is for Melbourne mums and features Melbourne mums who are on a mission to help others. You can start with any episode because each guest has their own unique story to tell. And I can't wait for you to hear from today's guest, Chrissy Davies. She's known around town as the child charmer at Chaos to Calm Consultancy. Chrissy is a leading child behavior expert. You'll find her friendly face consulting, speaking, and writing about how parents, carers, and educators can better understand and connect with kids. In this episode, you'll find out how Chrissy's philosophy to children's behavior really sets her apart from other experts. She'll also make you, as a mum, feel super comfortable with accepting help from an expert. I mean, after all, none of us received that parenting manual, right? You'll also hear about Chrissy's struggles with becoming a parent and how adoption in Melbourne led her to meet her two gorgeous children. This story may make you cry. I know I did. If you're listening to this episode, let us know by sharing it on your Insta stories. Tag Motherhood Melbourne and Chrissy Chaos to Calm so we can reshare it. Okay, it's time to dig in and first hear a bit about Chrissy's background before she became the child charmer. Let's meet Chrissy. So I, before I started my business, I had a very long and successful career in education. So my background is, is teaching, predominantly um, special needs education. Um, so I've had such an amazing career and it's so interesting. A lot of people sort of say to me, you know, do you miss teaching? And I actually do. Like I actually miss teaching every single day. And I never got to that point where I burnt out or I didn't enjoy working with kids anymore. But, you know, I've got a lot of friends who are teachers who are so stressed out. So, you know, it's a motivation to keep going in my business. But I just, I just found, I kept having conversations with people and I've got a couple of examples that I want to share with you around parents in particular asking for advice around their kids. So I did the London thing. I moved overseas um, and because I had a background in special needs education over there, that's really sought after. And so I was actually doing some agency work, you know, living the dream. um, And they kept sending me to special schools. And I kept saying, oh, I'm not sure. At that point, I I sort of hadn't really decided if that's what I wanted to pursue for my career Um, because I'd literally only taught for a year and then I packed up and moved overseas. So um, I remember talking to my agency one day and they were like, we've got this school, they want you for three days, just go for the first day and if you don't like it, we won't send you back. Four years later, I was still there. It was a special school for children who had severe emotional and social behavioural problems. Lots of the kids um, were exposed to daily trauma. They were living in in environments that were really, really hard. Um, I I was working in South South London, which was like a really, you know, sort of rough part of of London. And um, that was really reflected in in the culture of the, the kids that were coming into school. And, you know, I'm talking about kids, Holly, that didn't know where their next hot meal was coming from. 
And so you can imagine living in that trauma every day, those kids brought a lot of that into the classroom. So as much as we tried to teach them academic stuff, most of what we did was really based around controlling and trying to teach them about how to behave appropriately, you know, what was acceptable. Um, there were many, many nights I went home covered in bruises. I drank lots of glasses of wine with my amazing colleagues. Um, and I'm sure you can imagine to, to work in that kind of environment was really, really stressful and highly emotive and you had to have a really great team. And so we formed really close relationships as colleagues, which was incredible, um, some of which are my, still my really good friends today. Um, and then I, our, the school that I worked at was actually a pilot school because it was so highly um, respected and recognised um, in London that um, I was then promoted to be an outreach consultant, which meant that schools, um, mainstream schools who had a lot of really high need kids, um, the teachers were just really struggling with the kids and they just didn't know how to manage them. And so I was contracted out with a couple of my colleagues and we would go out to mainstream schools and we would um, educate the teachers and then we would support them in the classroom with managing some of the children's behaviour. So it, it was sort of, I sort of fell into this job, yes, I suppose, in a, in a way, but um, I absolutely know it was what I was born to do. You know, um, I'm such an emotional person. I have such a big heart and, and, and I suppose I'm an empath. Um, but I think even, you know, being around those kids and seeing some of the things that they'd been exposed to taught me a lot about, you know, just being a, a good human being and um, how amazing kids are and how resilient they are. Um, so that was sort of the start of it. And then when I came back to Australia, I just tried so hard to find another school like the school that I taught at in London and there just weren't any. Like we're really, really, Australia is so far behind in terms of being able to provide quality education for kids like this that have got severe behaviour issues and they're just being thrown into mainstream and the teachers are struggling and like, like we've got, oh, I could talk about this stuff all day, but Anyway, long story short, I ended up finding another great school in Melbourne and I was there for a long time as well. So predominantly my career has been spent working with, you know, kids with really tricky behaviours and their families. And I've always had a real soft spot for kids who didn't quite fit the mould, who are a bit quirky, you know, a bit left field. And I love that they've got a bit of spunk about them. And um, I, I've always been really drawn to those type of kids. So maybe that's because I'm a little bit like that too. <laughs> Um, but I just found the work so rewarding as well, you know, so you weren't just helping the kids, you were helping the whole family really, which had such a greater impact. Um, then anyway, I know we're going to talk about this a bit later, but I ended up taking 12 months leave because I was trying to get pregnant and I went back to mainstream teaching and oh my God, I literally, I, I actually think I felt like I could do that with my eyes closed. The kids were so amazing. They were so well behaved. They put their hand up. They lined up when I asked them to. Like they didn't try and hit me or kick me or punch me or like they were so beautiful. And I actually remember thinking, wow, this is what teaching kids how to learn is actually about because I wasn't fielding all the behavioural challenges. Um, I was mentoring a graduate teacher at the time and we were doing parent-teacher interviews and I remember she came in. She was 23 years old. She was still living at home with her parents. It was her first year in the classroom and she came into me and she said, I have had three parents asking me for advice around their children's behaviour. And I remember having this conversation with her about how it's so, there's so many people out there who have children 
who don't really understand how to manage their behaviour. That, that was sort of where the seed was planted. And then I ended up going back to my special school for a six-month period and it was absolutely then that the idea for my business was solidified because I remember so clearly a day where I had been working so hard with a particular boy and I'd been safe holding him a lot during the day and anyway on pickup his dad came to pick him up and I was so emotionally spent like I was literally like you could he, this kid had wiped the floor with me right and I remember saying to his dad oh you know your son's had a really hard day today um and you know we've been dealing with these challenges and blah 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 and he said oh come here mate are you okay and he went to give his child a hug and I quite angrily said in that moment no 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 hang on a minute I'm the one who needs a hug I'm the one who's been dealing with this behavior from your child and in that instant he had unraveled five hours of my work because he didn't have the skills or the insight or understanding to know how to respond in that situation to his child's behavior and it was actually at that point where I sort of got to the point where I just realised, you know, I'm working with the wrong part of the family here. I need to be um, sharing all of my skills and knowledge with the parents of the children, not the kids, you know. So um, it, sort of, it sort of manifested over a period of about five years, the idea for my business. It certainly wasn't just, a, okay, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to do this. It was sort of a different combination of events that culminated to me finally getting to the point where I was like, right, this has to be done and I'm going to be the woman to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, and here we are today. Oh, my goodness. That's an incredible story. Um, I used to be a teacher too. So I yeah, I know. Yeah, I understand. Like you think you're going to go in there and just like teach, like, you know, okay, let's get to the education part, but you've got to get through those layers first. Absolutely. Um, or you can even get to that part. So amazing, amazing. And I love, oh, you just needed a hug from the parent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And it was so... I look, I look back on that now and I think I was, might have, I was so frustrated. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't that, and, and it wasn't the dad's fault and I acknowledge that, you know, but I, I guess it's, I got to that point where I thought, well, he doesn't have the same skills as me, you know, and I, and I, and we used to joke about that in special ed that we would, well, it was a joke, but we were sort of serious. We would have loved to have a school for the parents and a school for the kids because they just didn't behave the same way for us, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you've been running Chaos to Calm Consultancy for five years now. Can you share with everyone what it is, who you're trying to help and why you started? Well, yeah, I guess I, I like I sort of said before, I, I, the business started out of frustration, but it's evolved into so much more than that now, you know, and I'm just so thrilled that I've been able to turn you know, being a teacher into an amazing career where I get to meet awesome families all the time. Um, you know, I d daily get phone calls and chat to people about their kids, which I love. And um, I guess a really big part about what I'm working so hard for, Holly, is to change people's perceptions and views around parenting education. I think being an educator 
learning comes naturally to me. I live and breathe it, you know. It's something that is just such a big part of who I am and I love learning and I love reading things and I love, you know, being out. So when I was working with kids, I loved that I'd go away and learn a new strategy and then I'd implement it and the kids would respond straight away and I'd be like, wow, amazing. If I hadn't read that book or if I hadn't read that, I wouldn't have known those skills. And I think... um, I don't know, I, I see so many families who, well, you know, that talk to me very openly and honestly about the fact that there's no training to be a parent. There's no, you know, in, unless you actually go out and access it yourself, there's no, you know, mandatory training to raising a human being. <laughs> and um, that would be one of my goals long term. You know, I know, where's the manual? <laughs> I know, I know, but there's still such a real sense of shame and embarrassment around people saying this is really hard and I don't know what I'm doing yeah and I'm and I think through me being me and and me sort of trying to share about the challenges that I have with my own kids and you know all the families I've worked with and I'm trying to I guess in a way normalize some of that because the more we can talk about how hard it is and you do this so beautifully as well but the more we talk about it, the more it will then become, I suppose, not so scary for people to say, hey, I, I actually really need some help right now. Um, and I guess that's, that's, you know, that's the mission that I'm on. Mum, we're on a mission. I just yes. want people to view education as part of their commitment to raising children mm-hmm. in a sense. You know, it's like you have a baby, you read all the books about getting pregnant and bringing baby home and then you know, all that sort of stuff. It's And then you're just left on your own, right? And then when kids start to assert themselves, they start, they're great, their brain starts to grow and they start to realise that, hey, I'm, I'm a functioning human being in this world. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm going to show you all about that. People just don't know what to do with that behaviour, you know? So yeah. why, why is it that we are, one, afraid to ask for help? Mm-hmm. Or two, two most importantly, why do we think we should know all this stuff? That's you know, question. unless absolutely, unless you're somebody like me that spent their whole career learning about kids and engaging with kids and like really hard kids, mm. why would you expect that you know this stuff? So why do we put that pressure on ourselves to feel like we've got it all figured out? And I guarantee you, I mean, you, you, I know you'll agree with this. Every single one of us, probably me included, we thought it was going to be easy. Why yes. did we think it's going to be easy? Yes. I don't know, because we sat there on our little judgy chairs saying, oh, my kid's not going to be like that. I'll be able to do this, but never having done it. And you know what else I think it is? No one's talking about how hard it is. Yeah. Or not enough, not enough people not enough. are talking about how hard it is, you know. Yeah. I remember chatting to one of my girlfriends who's got two boys and, you know, I found my, my son's behaviour compared to my daughter's behaviour very, very different and very challenging, you know. Um, he needed different things from me. And I remember saying to her, why didn't you tell me it was going to be this hard? And she's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, would you, would you have believed me anyway? And I was like, I, I thought about it, I was like, well, probably not because it's one of those things until you're actually living it. You know, how can you have have that genuine empathy and understanding for how hard it is? You know, Absolutely. so I just want—I really just am so—I can't stress enough. I just think we need to be talking more about how hard it is, 
And particularly because predominantly children's behaviour is the worst in the family home, behind closed doors. Yes. When it's just us and home with our kids. Yeah. We don't know what anyone else is dealing with we, because we don't see it, right? Yeah. When kids are out at the park or they're at the zoo, they're engaged, they're having fun, they've got heaps of stuff to keep them engaged. But when they're at yes. home and they're in their safe place with their trusted adults, Mm. They let it all hang out. Absolutely. That's like when I tell my mum things about my son and she's like, I don't believe you. Like, that's not my grandson you're talking about. And I'm like, that's because you feed him lollies and chocolate all day. Of course he loves you and does whatever you say. Um, but, yes. But can you explain sort of what some of the areas that you particularly focus in? Yeah, sure. So to me, uh, two of the biggest topics that I talk to families about are um, sleeping and eating. Mm-hmm. because those two things have such a detrimental effect on our children's behaviour. And so if we can sort of, I don't know, master those two things, I suppose, and, and, and teach our kids really good habits around both of those things, it really helps their brains to function more positively. Mm-hmm. Um, another really common thing I see within families is um, parents not on the same page. Yeah. Like they just can't agree on the best way to manage their children. Mm-hmm. And they sort of just hit a roadblock because, you know, we, I talk a lot to families about, well, how do you learn to become a parent? You learn it from your parents, your grandparents, <laughs> and, what, and what you see out in the you know, community and, and the people that you're involved with. And so, you know, you meet your partner or your hubby or, you know, you come into this relationship, well, let's have a few kids, yeah, life's great, woo-hoo. and then all of a sudden... <laughs> We're stressed, we're busy, we're working, our kids are going off tap, they're having tantrums, I'm running late, da, 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 all these other things come into play. And so then that causes a lot of fracture in our relationship. So it's sort of about coming together, I suppose. I help couples come together in a, in a place of agreement by giving them the strategies that I know work, for one, mm-hmm. so that they, they've got the same skills and the same strategies to get the best results for their kids. Yeah. Lovely. And so we find with you, like on social media, in your workshops and your your meetings with people, you're just so upbeat and positive about children's behaviour. And you can hear that in the way that you're speaking at the moment. I just want to understand a bit more, where does that come from? I think think I'm generally... My natural disposition is all, has always been quite positive. Like I'm, I'm definitely a glass half full kind of gal. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yes. I remember a colleague at work actually saying to me, oh, you're just so bloody positive all the time. And I remember actually thinking, oh, why is that such a bad thing, you know? But I think the truth is I love my life. Mm. You know, I've got a great husband. I've got, we've got a great relationship. My kids are awesome. I, li- I, I, I run a heart-centred business that I'm so passionate about that I've created that I'm proud of. You know, I've got great friends. I'm like, what have I got not, not to be happy about, you mm. know? Um, and unfortunately, I, I actually do meet a lot of people, Holly, who are just not happy. Yeah. They're not happy with their kids or they're not happy in their job. And I think that that's, at the end of the day, comes back to us as a person, you know, um, with deep within, like in terms of who you are as a human being. And, you know, I, I think about the kids that I've worked with who've been exposed to trauma. You know, I had my own personal challenges in my own childhood with a father who suffered a mental illness. And I sort of grew up, you know, in there, there was love. There was love from my mum, but there was also a lot of tension, um, a lot of anger and a lot of aggression and, 
I guess I've been able to, over the years, through working with lots of kids as well, to reflect on my own childhood and the type of parent that I want to be. Um, you know, they say we take the good, the good, the bad and the ugly from what was modelled to us and then we shape it ourselves, you know. And I think that's part of that was a reason why I didn't meet my husband until I was a lot older. I did a lot of sort of, you know, personal development around my childhood and my relationship with my parents and um, that sort of stuff. And so, you know, good things come to those who wait, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hit the jackpot, hit the jackpot. And then I think all my years of experience, obviously, and all that education and insight around kids has, has allowed me to understand my kids really well. So, you know, being a mother and childhood and all that sort of stuff comes quite easily to me. I, I, you know, I still have days with my kids where they're hard, but on the whole, mm. they're pretty good, you know. Um, we certainly don't live in chaos. And the other really big thing about that, which I know we're going to talk more about down the track, but is my, was my own journey to becoming a mother yeah, and my struggles with infertility and not and facing the thought of possibly not being able to become a parent myself and, and the fact that I, you know, I had to fight so hard for my kids to have my kids and to become a mum. Like I'm so grateful for all of that. So I live, I live every day with so much gratitude, I think. And I don't know, do you, it's, that, it's that sort of thing that, you know, everything that happens in your life happens for a reason. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm such a big believer in the universe and the way that things happen happen in the in the moment obviously they're really bloody hard but you know upon reflection and when you come out the other side and you're looking back and all that sort of stuff I think it does it shapes you into the human being that you're meant to be you know so I love that I can share part of my story with the families I'm working with because it's it's really important and a lot of people who you know haven't struggled to get pregnant and all that sort of stuff have you know got pregnant just from looking at their hubby yeah. pp you know yeah they 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 don't live with that same gratitude for their children i think is what i do um so i think it's a combination of things it's not just one thing it's it's a real combination of things and um well, it's which shapes you. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolute breath of fresh air, like reading your posts. And if anyone's not following you, they have to go follow you on Facebook and Instagram um, because it does make you stop in your day. Like, you know, especially when you are having those hard days with your kids and then I read your posts and it just is uplifting or it's like, oh, I do need to stop. And, you know, it's not as bad as what I think it is, you know? Um, yeah. So I do love that about you because I think you create that really great pause in the moment and be like, Thank okay, you. I need to shift my mindset because how I'm feeling right now is not going to be, you know, it's not going to work. It's not productive. It's not helping anyone. I just wanted to pop in quickly to let you know about my incredible podcast partner for this episode, Jess Worrell Photography. Jess is my go-to lady for happy snaps. I can personally sing her praises as a talented photographer. And I've met so many Melbourne mums that have walked away from a sesh with Jess gushing about her. Jess Worrell is a lifestyle family and newborn photographer. Her style is natural, joyful and love-filled. Honestly, find a pen and write down jesswarrell.com so you can check out her breathtaking work. It sounds like I'm exaggerating, but when you get to her site and click on her portfolio, you'll see what I'm talking about. Jess is a big advocate for mums being in the photo with their kids, and she loves to make you feel super comfortable in your special place. 
Her friendly manner will put the most camera shy person at ease and she loves a corny joke or two. I call her the kid whisperer because she's got lots of tricks up her sleeve to help your kitties have fun whilst being photographed with the family. If you've been thinking about getting maternity, newborn, family or branding photos done, go and follow Jess Worrell Photography on Insta and Facebook. I've popped a link to jessworrell.com in the show notes so it's easy for you to connect with Jess. You're going to love her and the beautiful photos you'll cherish forever. And, and I have to remind myself too, you know, after all these years of working with, you know, really hard kids, you've got to find the good in them. You have to yes. find that connection. And so I guess in a way my brain has been hardwired as well to be always looking for the positive. Mm. Um, and so that comes very naturally to me. And, I, you know, I think part of it is genetic, but I think part of it is training and years of experience. So, um it's, it's one of the interesting things about human behaviour is we default to the negative so quickly and we yes. get caught up in those negative cycles with our children so quickly. Mm. So to make a conscious effort to go to that positive place, it, ta- it takes time and practice. Do you know Absolutely. what I mean? It's, it doesn't come naturally for a lot of people. So this is some of the stuff that I talk to families about, obviously, um, when I'm working with them privately about training your brain to think differently. Mm, mm. And can you tell us a bit more then what makes you different um, from other behavioural consultants and a bit more about the Chrissy philosophy around children's behaviour? Mm. I guess I guess that's it. I think a lot of people are drawn to me because I'm real yes. and I, I, I'm a mum and, you know, I, I look back at, you know, when I was teaching and sitting across the table from parents thinking, well, how bloody hard is it? Like you've forgotten your kid's lunchbox again. <laughs> and I am that mum who has done that or, you know, the school's rung and be like, oh, your daughter's lunch order hasn't gone through. You know, so <laughs> shit happens. But it's one of those things I think that you, when you genuinely are authentic and um, almost admit that you're not perfect as well because I think that we put so much pressure on ourselves as parents to get everything right and to be perfect and to have everything sorted and the reality is family life is hard it's busy it's chaotic like there's only so much room in your brain for all this sort of stuff you know and I'm really open and honest about that I just own it and I think people (laughs) really love I think people really love that about me too yes um that I'm not out there going, hey, look at me, I've got it all together, you know, as well, because that's part of that normalising it, isn't it? Yes, yes. And I can imagine then, um, especially when you're meeting with um, clients just one-on-one and they're, you know, just, I guess they're really nervous about that you're going to be this authority, this expert, you know, in behaviour, you're going to come down on them that everything they've been doing is wrong and you're not approaching it from that place at all. So that would be so, so I guess, um, refreshing to them and comforting as well. Yeah, absolutely. And to be to be honest, it's quite funny because I know a lot of mums will be listening to this, but it's usually the dads that are scared of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I can imagine. I can imagine. But I love, um, and for those that don't know, like I've worked with Chrissy before and, you know, it's sort of like you come in and, you know, do you want a drink? Oh, yeah, like let's have a beer or like crack a beer or, you know, like we'll have a, we'll have a cup of tea or a coffee. Like, you know, just that sort of very relaxed, um, informal nature that, that puts you at ease immediately. 
and it's definitely a skill obviously because it's it's something that you know i'm i'm a really good communicator and that's one of the things that you know i that i think sets me apart is that you know i i often turn up to people's houses and i've never had a conversation well this is when i was doing the in-home support you know I, I it was all through email and then i turn up and i have to be like oh hey how you going you know and I often say to people, you know, I'm just like another mum that you'd meet at the park. Yeah. I just happen to know a lot about kids, <laughs> you know. So I'm still, I'm just a human being, you know. Um, it just happens that my zone of genius is all around understanding kids and brains and behaviour and all that sort of stuff. And I just want to share it with you. Like I don't want to keep it all to myself. Yeah. Um, because the easiest thing for me would have been just stay in teaching, you know, um, keep on doing what I love. But I felt that I had such a bigger calling and that I could really have such a, you know, still coming back to the core of the, the, the way I started my business was to advocate for children because I know that by empowering and, and giving their parents confidence and the knowledge that then that's going to have such an amazing effect on so many kids. Um, I remember one of my girlfriends actually saying to me, I just want to say thank you to you on behalf of all the kids you're never going to meet. Oh, I know. I'm pretty sure I burst into tears. And she said, because, you know, you know, because I don't really even meet the kids anymore. Sometimes when I'm working with the families, I'll say, oh, send me a photo so I know who we're talking about, you know, but, um, that, you know, you, you're never even going to meet these kids, yet you're having such a positive impact on their life, on their childhood and on their relationship with their parents. Yeah. And she said, that's really, that's so, oh, you're crying. Yeah, I am crying. Yeah, that is beautiful. Sorry. And that's something, you know, don't ever forget yeah. the, about the importance of the work that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, this so is if, why I love if that's, women like you. If that's um, not motivation to keep on going and doing what I'm doing, then what, you know, what, what is? Yeah. So. Oh, that's amazing. So I can imagine, yeah. you know, there'll be a mum listening right now and she's probably yeah. really struggling and finding it hard to parent and understand her child's behaviour and feeling defeated, feeling basically like shit um, yeah. and embarrassed, you know, because it is, like you said before, it's so hard to ask for help and there is almost this shame around it even though we're never taught how to be a parent. Um, so what, what do you want that mum to know about, I guess, working with someone like you, working with a behaviour consultant? Well, the first thing I would say is picking up the phone is the hardest part. Mm. That's it. Once you've picked up the phone and, and I hope even by listening to me talk, you will have, you know, a sense of reassurance and understanding that I'm not there to judge you. Mate, I'm on your team. I, <laughs> I want to be on your team. I want you to live your life with your kids like I do. And I want you to have fun and to see that the kids are amazing. And once you understand how they think and work and, you know, why they do the things, crazy things they do, it makes the way that we respond so much more positive and, and just means that life is going to be easier for everybody. And who wouldn't want that, you know? Yes. Um, so I think picking up the phone, people have often said to me, I can't, you know, that on, upon reflection, they say, I can't believe I was nervous about talking to you or um, you're so different in real life than what <laughs> the, the picture that I had in your head, in my head, you know, a lot of people think I'm going to be like super nanny and, you know, that couldn't be further from the truth, which is why, you know, the whole video thing, isn't it, on social media is so incredibly important because people can get a sense of who you are and what you're like as a person. And, and I understand that too, you know, I'm not everybody's cup of tea and that's okay. Um, 
but that I I genuinely do want to help people yeah. enjoy their children more. That's it, you know. So don't be afraid to get in touch. Don't. It's, it's not actually about you not doing a good job. It's I actually have, I believe it's so strongly the other way that if you do have the confidence to say, hey, this is really hard, I, I might need some help or can you give me some direction, that is such a strength, not a weakness, you know, um, and that you're doing it for your kids. What, what, what better reason have you got? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Don't cry. Don't cry. No, again. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. It's amazing. Um, and so what, what, where is chaos to calm consultancy going from here? What's the big picture for you? Well, you know, like I said in the beginning a bit, my whole mission is I, I love doing the workshops. I love doing the family stuff. But, you know, I, I'm on a mission to change the world and the perception about this stuff. And, you know, I'm getting more, invited more and more onto things like this, which is great and, and yes. being really known as an expert in my field and just getting out there and talking to people about kids and about their behavior and about understanding them better so that we can all enjoy them more you know um and workshops is great and all that sort of stuff but i want to go bigger yeah i want to go bigger yeah so everybody keeps telling me i need a podcast and a book <laughs> you do <laughs> a tour so. you need to go around australia everyone needs to meet you yeah yeah mum's on tour yeah <laughs> Oh, goodness, that'd be amazing. Um, okay, so thank you so much for sharing so much about your mission. And you're talking a bit about that you are a mum, which is obviously so relatable to parents that meet you. Yeah. I would love to know a bit more about your personal journey of becoming a mum. Mm, I know this is one of your favourite topics with your motherhood stories that you share yeah. with um, Motherhood Melbourne. But um. You know, I said, I sort of said before, I was, I was one of those people, I met my hubby really late in life. Yeah. I'll say late, I was 34. I think I got married <laughs> when I was 34. But, you know, back then, like we've been married 12 years now, now, but back then that was sort of, you know, to start beginning thinking about having a family was quite old, you know. Um, and, you know, because I was that bit older, I suppose, we didn't want to start trying for kids straight away. We wanted to enjoy being married. And, yes. Um, I think it was maybe a year and a half or two after we got married, we're like, oh, yeah, okay, let's, you know, we should try to have kids. And as you do, you, you never really think you're never not going to be able to because, once again, the universe, everybody out there tells you that this is what happens. You know, you hear about people getting pregnant straight away after they've had sex and, <laughs> you know, all this sort of stuff. And yeah. long story short, it just was not happening. So we tried um, IVF as well. Yeah. For a few years with no success. And um, we had a beautiful friend offered to be our egg donor as well. So we, we gave it a real crack. Um, yeah. And try as we might, like it just was not meant to be. I just was not able to get pregnant. And, you know, coming back to what I was saying before about, you know, believing in the universe, I just, I just couldn't accept that I would not be a mother. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to my hubby one day, I'm probably, you know, over a glass of wine and, you know, when you go through your stages of grief, the anger, and I said to him, you know, but this is just not fair. We're such good people. How can this not happen to us? How can we not get a chance to be parents when this is what we want so much? And I just would not accept the fact that I was not going to be a mother. Um, 
And, you know, due to my experience of working with kids and, and, and seeing a lot of them live in really, really horrific situations and I dealt with a lot of kids in foster care and had worked very hard to actually get a lot of kids out of the environment they were living in to, to a safe place. Um, I had a really good understanding about how the system worked mm-hmm. and I knew about something called permanent care. Um, which was all around the foster care system. You're going to love this story too because I listened to your thing about the car, your how you wouldn't leave the car yard until they gave you a deal. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I ended up ringing, you know, around agencies around Melbourne and trying to, you know, um, get this whole thing going um, about, you know, moving forward to creating our family through permanent care um, or adoption. And there's so little information out there. You know, you start Googling everything as you do when you're desperate. <laughs> um, anyway, I remember um, getting to the point with, with my hubby, was, we were sort of talking about it and, you know, saying, you know, what does our life look like? Is our, are we meant to be child-free? And, and we both agreed that we weren't. And so this was going to be the next step for us. Um, because I don't know anyone listening who's done IVF, man, that sucks the life out of you. It is literally soul destroying. It it actually nearly broke us as a couple. And, you know, we're a very, very strong couple, but it actually got to the point where we just, we couldn't talk. We couldn't communicate. We were so depressed and I was obsessed with getting pregnant and I couldn't, I couldn't even see a pregnant woman towards the end. You know, I was just a mess, Holly. It was so hard. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, it was a really hard time, but you know, like I said before, once again, hindsight's a wonderful thing and look where I am now. I'm so lucky, but, um, anyway, so long story short, we, we ended up being, um, linked in with an agency who, when you go through the adoption and permanent care process, you have to do formal training days you know educating you around the process and um, I remember chatting to the director of the agency and she said to me oh well actually we can't go forward with the training at this particular time because we don't have enough people and I just would not accept that and I, I, I actually just said to her well I'm sorry, but I'm not accepting that. I said, everywhere out in the media, there's all these ads, you're crying out for people who, you know, there's all these kids without people to love them and homes for them to go to. And here I am standing in front of you, somebody with all my skills, all my experience saying, here I am and you're going to turn me away. (sighs) And they ran the training one-on-one for me and my hubby. (laughs) I love that. I know, right? (laughs) And I was actually chatting to my hubby about it um, before I was, you know, preparing for this um, podcast with you. And I said, you know, it'd be so interesting to know how how our life would have, it's almost like a sliding doors moment, wasn't it? You know, um, how, how our life would have turned out if I hadn't been that kind of person to just say, this is not good enough, Mm. you know? Um, yeah, anyway, so this, the, the process was long and quite gruelling and, you know, they ask you lots of questions and very personal, but w- which I sort of understand because they're going to hand over a child to you. They want to know that you're a great person and that you're in this for the long haul and you've got the skills and the strategies to manage, you know, some of these kids who, who sometimes come from very traumatic backgrounds. Anyway... We get to the point where we're sitting at the panel because you have to go to be approved to be a parent. We're sitting there in front of this panel of people. We've gone through the process for permanent care, which for anybody who's not sure about the difference is 
um, permanent care children who have been removed by the Department of Human Services due to families being un unable to care for them. Whereas adoption is um, parents have made the choice to relinquish their child voluntarily. So they're, they're very different. Um, anyway, I was sitting in front of the panel and one of the women says to me, why aren't you going for adoption? I said, well, you know, everybody tells you, you can't adopt children in Australia anymore. You know, there's hardly any babies that are relinquished anymore. Our, our government is set up to support single mothers and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And she said, oh, I actually think you guys should go for both. Oh. So we said, okay, so you can, you become dual accredited. So you get approved for adoption and permanent care. Anyway, yay, yay, we got approved. Well done. Congratulations. Now the real wait begins. You go onto a register, registrar statewide um, where you can be matched with a child anywhere in Australia or Victoria, I should say, not Australia because mm -hmm. the states are all different. Three months later, I got a phone call that changed my life forever. <sighs> And I remember I was at work. Now I'm going to get teary remembering it. And I remember coming out of a meeting with my principal and I was so frustrated and because I'd, I'd had to go back to work by then because, you know, nothing was happening. And I walked out of that meeting and I so clearly remember this in my head saying, oh, God, where is my baby and when is it coming? <laughs> and I got in my car. And I, I just get me out of here. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd had enough of working. I was ready to be a mum, you know, and I was ready for that next phase of my life. I got, and I got into my car and there were 17 missed calls on my phone oh from my, my husband oh and, my the and the adoption agency. <laughs> and I knew in that instant, I was like, it's happening. Mm -hmm. And we had been matched with our beautiful daughter she was 16 weeks old and she was waiting for me to be her mummy. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, even though it was a long journey. Yeah. And this, this is the part about adoption that a lot of people are really surprised to hear. We got the phone call on a Wednesday. I quit my job on a Friday. Wow. We met her on, we met her on Monday and we oh. had her home by the following Wednesday. So I became a mum almost overnight, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, it was so fast. It was yes. literally so fast. Um, so we didn't have, even though, you know, you've had all that time to prepare because you didn't know what the age of your child was going to be, whether it was a boy or a girl or, you know, was there going to be two, you know, we, we just didn't know. So we had nothing. Yes. We had nothing prepared. We didn't have any baby clothes or a cot or pram oh. or anything. So we literally, it was like mad shopping. We went out and bought everything. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> but, yeah, so literally our whole life was turned upside down. Oh, my goodness. That's an incredible story. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Is. And I love how you, like, you, you say it out loud and then, you know, you, the call is there. Like, is the universe listening or what? Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah, you just got to yell it out loud. Oh my gosh! And I just, yeah, that quick turnaround, like, oh my gosh, because you know, most people got nine months and got to get the nursery ready, and it takes time and blah blah. But just bang, had to get it all ready. And it's been, it's been so interesting. So we obviously went through the process again because I have yeah. another child as well now, my mm -hmm. son, and 
um, it was exactly the same second time around. And you think, oh, yeah, you know, we've been through this before. We'll be fine. We'll be ready. But it, it was actually even harder the second time around because we had another child. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> And we, we, it wasn't just about us and this beautiful little baby. We're like, well, we had a sibling and we had, you know, um, my hubby was back at work, obviously, and all that. I had a business by that. Oh, no, I didn't have inside of my business then. Or had, on a second time run, I had, yeah. But, yeah, so it was a combination of things. But, man, oh, yeah, you think you're going to be ready for this parenting thing. But, you know, how can you be ready for that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, that's a really incredible story. And I'm, I'm so glad that you got to be a mum. and you knew in your heart, like, but I, I do understand, like it took us a really long time to get pregnant and that, you know, the frustration and the disconnection and, and stuff. And you do, you just sit there going, why, why isn't it happening to me? Like, I know mm. that I'm supposed to be a mum. Um, mm. I'm so glad that that worked out. And even, so even further to that, yeah. I, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I don't believe if I wasn't a parent. Mm. because you know it's almost like that full circle isn't it so many people say to me oh you're so real and you I love how you use examples of your own kids and how you talk about your own family because I can really connect to that Mm -hmm. and I don't think that I would be able to have that genuine empathy that I have for families because I know how hard it is yeah yeah and there's definitely then that level of trust too because it's like well she's going through it she's not just saying it because she read it in a book um you know they know that that you're actually living through it every day as well so yeah yeah and then of course I've been able to try and test my own strategies (laughs) (laughs) actually that my little guinea pig (laughs) to lead into the next question because I'm wondering then for your husband who's not a behavior expert how is it you know, the, I guess the parenting approach, like how does that work? And then I guess another question on top of that, sorry. Um, but also when people know you're a behavioral consultant and mm. they see you out with your children or, you know, you're picking them up from school or wherever it is, do you feel that pressure from other people, you know, or if they have that tantrum in the supermarket, what's, what's that sort of, um, do you have that pressure around, you know, their behavior getting it like right that. yeah yeah getting it right so first of all with your husband how does how does he mm. feel about all of this <laughs> he's amazing he's yeah. he's great he's he's he, his ex- expertise is patience but he you know but I, but I also I also have to understand once again you know without being patronizing he doesn't have the same skills as me do you know what I mean he's really great he looks to me for a lot of guidance which I think a lot of dads do. That's that's my experience of what I've seen with families. They look at dads often look to the mums for that guidance because we're with kids more. But I also think a really big part of it is our approach. So, you know, nobody likes to be criticised. Nobody likes to be told they're not doing a great job. Um, it's all in the way that we communicate as a couple. I think is incredibly important, and we reflect a lot. So we'll talk about things that have happened afterwards and. My hubby and I, especially because of what I do, have come to a, a place of agreement where if ever we give feedback to each other, it's not, it doesn't come from a place of criticism. It actually comes from a place of love and we're a team and we are the, you know, we are the team, team Davies that, you know, everything <laughs> that we do filters down to our kids. And so we've got to be all over that together, you know, because without us, there is no team. Yeah. So it's so incredibly important that we are open and reflective and have that conversation. And I think when you get to the point where you realise, well, they're not actually having a go at you, um, 
it's about how can we work together to to make life easier for all of us mm. you know so it was really interesting he came along to the dad's workshop that we did yeah and yeah it was so interesting he actually had some really great ideas about that <laughs> so I said to him, you know I have been talking to you about this stuff for years <laughs> now, now you've actually been to one of my workshops it's like sinking in <laughs> we had a big laugh about it too um but it's so funny the other stuff that you're talking about because I think you just have to get your head around the fact that nobody is perfect. Mm. We are not perfect. Children are not perfect. We're human beings. We all operate from our emotions and that is where the core of behaviour comes from. So when we can understand that, I mean, this is stuff I talk to families about all the time, mm. is, you know, in the beginning when I started my business, I was a little bit, oh, who's watching, you know, um, which is quite ironic really because nobody knew me then. And yeah. now when I go out and about, everybody knows me. Like I <laughs> see people all the time out and about, you know, you know, you're Christy from Cast to Come or I run into my clients and, um, you know, I remember one lady at the park saying to me, oh, it's so good to see that your kids do the same stuff as mine. I feel really good about myself now. <laughs> and I think it's sort of like it was a backhanded compliment, but, I, you know, I took it in yeah. the right way and I said, oh, that's great. I said, yeah, because you know what? All kids do this stuff. Yeah. It's just how their brains work. It's mm. got nothing to do with me. Well, it's partly to do with me, but, you know, it's that I think we sometimes we take our kids' behaviour so personally as a reflection on us that we're not doing a good job, mm. which is why we need to be educated. Mm. Coming back to my mission, which is why we need to be educated. So I actually, it's so funny, I actually posted today on my Facebook page about a lady who said that exact thing to me at a networking event. Oh, you must be really worried about your kids doing the right thing when you're out in public. Mm. And I was like, well, kids are just kids. They do what they do, you know, and it's about us having the confidence to know how to manage them wherever you are, whoever you're with whether you're at the park or at the zoo or at home or with your family or, you know, all those sorts of things. But um, that I think is the key to being a confident parent is understanding that the behaviour is normal and it's not about us and I've got the skills to know how to manage your behaviour, whatever you throw at me. Yeah. Uh, And that's good. That's such a good message that, you know, because you often go, what did I do wrong? Why are they doing that? It's my fault. What have I done? Um, but knowing, yeah, especially when you do see other kids and you're like, oh, they all do the same. But I think, um, and this was a real problem with my husband, like when we were going through that phase, uh, of my son, you know, not eating dinner and we were having that frustration. He was saying, this isn't happening anywhere else. This just happens in our house. And I was like, are you kidding me? I talked to every mum, and I know this happens six o'clock every night, you know, all families around Australia are having the exact same problem. Um, but they, they don't know because they don't speak about it as much. Absolutely. So they yeah. really feel that it's a reflection of like, this is only happening to us and it's our fault. We've done something wrong. So mm. I love that message. So I love, I love what you said then. Oh, there's something wrong with me. What have I done wrong? Mm. I say, and what I teach people, other people to say is, what can I do better next time to help my child be more successful in that environment? Mm. not what is wrong with me, but what can I do better next time? And that's that reflection, right? Mm. 
Yes. Um, so if we keep doing the same thing again and again and again, well, that's what's going to happen. That's how yes. it happens in behaviour form. So if we can acknowledge our role in our children's behaviour and be reflective on our own behaviour and the way that we've handled things, that absolutely filters into our children. Yeah. So it's a very subtle change in language mm-hmm. and perception. It's not what, what's wrong with me. It's what can I do better next time. I love that. What can I do better? Mm. Yeah. Everyone's going to How, how could I do it? Yeah. Or how <laughs> yeah. can I do, approach it differently next time? Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Because mm. when you're sort of going the same way and you're getting the same outcome, it's like, well, nothing's going to change. Yes. Excellent. And kids will do the same thing <laughs> again and again and again, yes. which is why it feels like Groundhog Day. Yeah. Until we intervene to create a new environment or a new approach or use new language to shift that behaviour. Yes. Ah, That's why you're the expert. Totally. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Okay. We are going to finish knowing more about you, Chrissy. So I love you have a passion for fashion and I always find that you're just so glam and I don't know, you've got a very... um, lovely presence about you so i want to know more about what's your signature look and tell us about your um yeah passion for fashion well thank you first (laughs) i feel like i do just march to the beat of my own drum in a Mm. sense do you know what i mean i don't really follow trends i don't really follow fast fashion or anything like that i mean my i was raised with my mum you know working in an op shop so she used to bring home stuff from the op shop and all that sort of stuff and i think i've just got an eye for detail so i um always go for things with sort of a point of difference and something that's interesting do you know what i mean rather than just say say if it's a denim jacket for example i might choose a different a denim jacket with a with an embellishment or a different zip or do you know what I mean that sort of stuff yes. it's just got that little bit of edge to it um and I, I guess it's just about having that confidence to I think when you think you look good you feel good you know that, I think that inner confidence does still come from the inside but that you can have that you know um if you want to wear it just wear it and rock it it doesn't matter <laughs> you know so many people were, oh, I'm going to be overdressed. I'm going to be underdressed. I'm like, just wear what you want and feel good in it. Absolutely. You know? And that, that confidence will come out, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, you, and you always have beautiful colours on as well. What's your favourite to wear? Well, I think Melbourne Nights are very black. Yeah, yeah. Aren't we? You know? I'm guilty. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> I, I just had to buy a new jacket and I was like, right, I'm not buying black because... <laughs> That, that's what I mean. That's why I always sort of go for that point of difference because it's like, yeah. you know, I don't want to be the same as everybody else. You're, yeah. I'm, I'm Chrissy, I'm me, and you're Holly. You're, you, sh- you just be you, you know. Yes. You just do you and do it well and do it confidently and um, it, wouldn't, it doesn't matter what you're wearing, yes. you know. I am rocking it's... trackies right now in my slippers and I'm owning it. <laughs> and, and part of my problem is I don't do trackies. Like, uh... I, wish, I wish I could. I haven't, I haven't quite worked out how trackies fit into my, um, <laughs> my style. It's so funny. We go camping with a group, big group of friends every school holidays. And they're yeah. always like, do you always just like have to look normal? You're camping. Can you not wear? I'm like, but this is, these are my clothes. This is what I wear. I don't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like there's mm. two t- types of people, people that wear tracksuit pants and people that don't. Like, <laughs> And I'm always, because I wear trackies, I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but that's why you probably always look glamorous. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, we're going to finish up with last thing. What is a random fun fact about you? And I cannot wait to hear this. Oh, I thought way too long about this. Okay. <laughs> what, can I, what can I come up with that's cool and fun? And I, I don't know. I think one of the things people always say to me is that they um, – because people recognise me when I'm out and about and stuff and they actually recognise me from my hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm having a little confession. Oh. I, all, I get my hair done all the time. Yeah. I, love a, I love a wash and a blow wave. Um, I've had quite a few bad ones over <laughs> <in> my time. <laughs> um, but I'm actually, I'm actually really lazy and I hate washing my hair. Ah, so do you go so, weekly? fortnightly okay yeah. i have the type of hair that actually looks better when it's dirty you know yeah. it sits better and yeah. it's, it's a bit more funky you know so um don't get me wrong i still do wash my hair occasionally at home but <laughs> if i've got the time and the inclination um I, yeah i just love getting my hair done because i feel like that gives me that confidence as well absolutely mm. oh i love that oh that i would love to get that done i hate washing my hair and i know yeah. Isn't that hard work? It is. And I always get all the lumps at the back. I'm like, I can't find them. I can't get them. Yeah. And oh, we're just I love so busy, that. aren't we? Too. Yeah. So, you know. I love that. That's good. That's a great thing to outsource. <laughs> Did they give you a massage? <laughs> you found one massage? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love that. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Oh, my goodness. Chrissy, we've had such an amazing chat. Thank you so much. I just want to wrap up with you telling everyone where they can connect with you. Okay, great. So um, my two favourite hangouts are Instagram and Facebook. Um, I love both of those platforms. My um, uh, Facebook is very educational. Like I'm always posting lots of great articles and great tips and um, obviously sharing stuff about what I do with my kids. Um, and it's literally just uh, Chaos to Calm Consultancy. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Chrissy at Chaos to Calm. And if people wanted to email me, they can either go through my website, which is chaos2calmconsultancy.com, um, and they can drop me an email through there or privately using chrissy at chaos2calmconsultancy.com. <laughs> One of those things when I started my business, I was like, mm, it's a very long business name, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I should have thought of an abbreviated version. No, that's fine. And um, yes, and I definitely encourage mums to go and follow you on both platforms because like you said, you actually share some different things on each of them and you're very active on your stories as well. So if people love watching Insta stories or, you know, they would go through to your Facebook stories just to get a sense um, to see your beautiful hair as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, the day this comes out, you better hope you've got your hair washed. <laughs> Thanks a bunch for joining us. Let's chat further about this episode on Motherhood Melbourne, Facey or Insta. For more info about my guest, the podcast or my podcast partner, visit motherhoodmelbourne.com.au. If you loved this episode or the potty, please share the love by writing a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Okay, that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging out with me. 